We're going to wrap up the series of uh, <laughs> the Roman series this summer, uh, tonight. So grab your Bible. If you don't have a Bible or you don't have it on your phone, there are a few Bibles in the last part of it. So we're going to read starting about halfway through verse 19. Not skipping the first part of 19, we're just uh, we're going to hone in on where, where, we, where I want to talk about tonight. So, so from Jerusalem, as far as Illyricum, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. And in this way, I desire to preach where Christ has not been named, so as not to build on another person's foundation. But as it is written, those who are not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is the reason I was often hindered from coming to you. But now there is nothing more to keep me in these regions, and I have for many years desired to come to you when I go to Spain. For I hope to visit you when I pass through, and that you will help me on my journey there after I have enjoyed your company for a while. But now I go to Jerusalem to minister to the saints for Macedonia, for they are pleased to do this, and indeed they are indebted to the Jerusalem saints. For if the Gentiles have shared in their spiritual things, they are obligated also to minister to them in material things. Therefore, after I have completed this and have safely delivered this bounty to them, I will set out for Spain by way of you, and I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of Christ's blessing. So I know that's a little bit of a mouthful there. Um, when we look at this text, we see that Paul is writing this book. We, we see from this text and other places in Roman, he's writing this book to a people he doesn't know. And he's writing this with an excitement that he wants to come visit them. And the reason he's writing this is to, come, is to encourage them to help build how to live a godly life. And with his plans, he's, he's ex- explaining his plans here. He's got a plan. He's going to come see the believers in Rome and then uh, go, go off to visit Spain. But first he needs to make a side trip to Jerusalem. So he kind of is laying out his plan there. So before we dig into that, how many of you have had a trip where you, you go on this trip all the time? Maybe you go every summer to see a particular family member or you go every fall to a specific vacation and you know this trip, you know, it should take you, you know, two hours, five hours, whatever. Have you ever had a time where this trip that something that you know where you're going to go goes completely sideways and it takes, you know, three times as long? Anybody ever been there? So when I was a kid, I lived about three hours away from my grandma's house. We visited two to three times a year. We'd go take the drive. It was about a three-hour drive. I could time it. I knew. I'm sure that if, I, if you actually follow my directions, you get lost. But <laughs> I feel like I knew what I was doing. So one time, we got in the car. I was somewhere in middle school. And we get in the car earlier in the morning than we normally did. And we're headed off. And I'm like, great. Okay, three hours. We're going to get there before lunch. This is awesome. 30 minutes from the house, we pull off on the side road that I've never seen before, and my dad stops the car and asks us all to get out. I'm like, what's going on here? And he walks us down this little dirt path, and there's a sign that says historical marker. And he explains to us how this field we're looking at, with a couple cows in it, was part of the Civil War. It was a battlefield during the Civil War. It's like, okay, that, that's kind of neat, but I mean, why are we stopping, you know, kind of thing. We get back in the car and we start driving, and my mom explains to my sister and I that today's trip is special, that she's seen all these things that she wanted to stop at through the years as we've driven back and forth, but 
we've never taken the chance to stop things. We saw some, some battlefields. We saw this really cool tower where they used, where the, um, the soldiers during the Revolutionary War would drop pieces of molten lead from the top, and by the time it came to the bottom, it was a round circle, and that was how they created their bullets. Um, we saw this really neat suspension bridge of people were bungee jumping off of. We, we did all kinds of things. We, we made it to Grandma's house long after dark, after, <laughs> after a long day, something like, so we were expecting one trip. We were expecting this three-hour drive that we know all the time, and it turned into like 14, 15-hour long trip. It was good, but it was completely different than what we thought. So we come here into, into, into this, and we're going to get into this, this uh, story of Paul and see how his ideas of where he was going to go to come see the believers in Rome went a little sideways. The first thing we want to pull out tonight, so if you take notes, pull out your phone, your paper, write these down. Um, but when it comes to the gospel, the first thing we want to be doing is we always want to be sharing. We should have that up there, yep. So we should always be sharing. The gospel is not just to be preached as a sermon, but the gospel is something we should be fulfilling, we should be living out every day. Paul was constantly on the move. He was moving from city to city, looking for the next place that hadn't heard of Christ yet. At this point, when he's writing to the people in Rome, he had covered close to half of the known Roman Empire. And at the time, basically, the Roman Empire, if the Roman Empire hadn't found it, it, it nobody thought it existed. Right? This is a huge swath of the world. He had started from Jerusalem. I had to go look it up. I love geography, but I still had to go look this up to figure out what this was. But Illyricum is a small province that's between Greece and Italy. So if you remember your maps, he was over to Greece. He was almost to Italy, almost to where Rome is in Italy. But he covered half the world at at this point. Um, But he references, he's talking to the Romans, he references Isaiah, the ending of Isaiah 52, verse 15 He says, those who were not told about him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. Now he picked this place, I believe Paul picked this Isaiah reference because Isaiah 52 and 53 is part of one of Isaiah's famous prophecies about Jesus coming. Isaiah wrote 600 years before Jesus was on the scene and predicted a lot of what, and prophesied a lot of what would happen with Jesus. Um, He detailed things about the cross that um, that the Savior would come, would be born of a virgin, that the Savior would be die. And the good news of the gospel is that not only did he die for our sins, but he didn't stay dead. So on the third day, he rose. Isaiah details a lot of this stuff. And in, in the words of Isaiah 53, verse 5, he was pierced for our sins, and with his wounds we are healed. So I believe Paul's taken this Isaiah verse to help show here, here's my point. I'm going around sharing the gospel and bringing this news to those who haven't heard so they will understand. Um, Paul focused looking for the cities. He would come into a city. He would find the Jews that were there and tell them the Messiah has come. And whether they believed or not, he would then turn to the marketplace and tell everybody in town while he worked building tents and other things, he would, he would share every day in the marketplace with, about the gospel. And then when he ran out of people, he already preached to. He was looking for new places all the time. And so he's, he's, he's run out of people to talk to. He's completed this task of this half of the Roman Empire. So he's been wanting to come see the church in Rome. 
He's heard about them. He even talks about it back in chapter 1 of, of Romans. He talks about that the news of their faith has reached him. That people are talking about the faith of those in Rome, even though none of the major apostles or anybody had come to preach to them. That they'd, got, they'd heard about Jesus and, and were following him. And so he wanted to come see them, to meet them, to share a spiritual gift, encourage them. Um, so where he is... Uh, where Paul is when he's writing Romans is he's in a city called Corinth in Greece, and he is he's preaching every day to new travelers that are coming through the city. He's got this plan of going to go, how he's going to share the gospel, what's next for him. Um, but as any good plan goes, reality often gets in the way. So this leads to the next point, especially for those taking notes. When it comes to the gospel, number two, always be flexible. His plan is he's heading towards Jerusalem. He had been visiting the cities in Greece, in Macedonia, Achaia, those are all part, part of Greece. He was gathering an offering that was headed back, of, an offering back to the church in Jerusalem. And so he's going to bring this money to the saints in Jerusalem. Then from there, he plans to charter a trip to Rome and visit with the church in Rome. And then from there, he's going to continue to the farthest end of the known world, not America. He's going to travel to Spain because that's as far as the world was known at that point. But he, he's, he's got big plans to go see the second half of the Roman Empire. Romans um, was chapter 18 of Acts. And so if you pick up and take some time and read chapter 19 through 28, uh, heavily encourages. It's really, a really good story. You learn a lot about how the, the gospel was, was shared. But you see there's some massive changes to his plan um, that happen. He makes it to Jerusalem. All's, all's fine and well. He gets there, and he goes into the, temp, the temple of Jerusalem. On the seventh day, he's in town. He's been there a week. And the Jews still don't, the Jewish leaders, they still don't like him. So the Pharisees show up, and they arrest him. And in the temple, they start beating him and almost beat him to death in the middle of the sacred temple. <laughs> Doesn't seem like it would fit, but it's what they're, what they're doing. And He's only saved by some Roman soldiers that caught wind of the commotion. And since they don't know what's happening, they start to beat him to find out, to make him tell. And he announces he's a Roman citizen. So they stop, they stop you know, trying to beat him and realize, oh, they need to put him on trial. So over the next two and a half years, he's moved around from prison to prison in Rome, or sorry, in Jerusalem. And he speaks to many different Roman rulers. One Roman ruler retires, another comes in. He leaves, another guy from another region comes in. It's just two and a half years of hanging out and talking to different people. He finally, after appealing to Caesar, they put him in a boat to ship him off to Rome. So he's finally going to be on the right way to Rome. But a shipwreck and a poisonous snake bite and uh, crazy winter storms, all kinds of other stuff, finally makes it to Rome. It's another six months of what should have been about a month-long sea voyage. Um, finally makes it. When he gets there, he's now under his own house that he rents, and is not, nobody's turned away. Anybody who wants to come visit him can. Um, so Paul, does he make it to Rome? Yeah, he does. Does it look anything like what he thought it was? No, it doesn't. It, a couple extra years of detours in a way that didn't look like his plan at all. So when we have plans, when we make plans, whether it's Small things, like, you know, we're, who wants to go to Whataburger and get a milkshake? Like, does that sound good to anybody right now? Yeah, let's be honest, yeah. 
let's, let's make some plans or we make big plans like, you know, hey, when I graduate high school, I'm going to go, I'm going to apply to UT and I'm going to go finish my degree there and I'm going to go play for the Texas Rangers for five years and then I'm going to go off and be an engineer, right? You make big plans or you make important plans like, you know what, this friend, this friend of mine that is, is in class with me at school, I know that he does with this with this friend. So whether it's big plans, small plans, important plans, we need to plan to be flexible. Um, it may not work out the way we expect, but that doesn't mean it wasn't worth planning and thinking through. God will work out the right path for you to follow, and it will often look different than you imagined. So coming, coming back again to the text, verse, tw- verse 29, Paul's talking about his plan that he's going to set out for Spain by way of Rome, and I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of Christ's blessing. And so point number three tonight is when it comes to the gospel, always be a blessing. Paul was expecting to show up to the church in Rome and bring them spiritual blessings. He was going to share the love of Christ with them, teach them some more, probably share stories about things that had happened to him, how they were, were changing lives in Rome. Um, he was coming to an area that already had an established church, which was a little different for him. He normally went to places that didn't have a church. And so coming there, but he, was, he talks about he wants to see them on the way to Spain. So he's probably planning to build a base of support and be launched off as a missionary, probably find some new friends to come with him as he goes off to now over to Spain. Um, reality was a lot different. Three years of delays instead of a couple months of travel being stuck in a house under 24-7 guard by a Roman soldier instead of free to move about the city and visit with people. But Paul still lived out his desire and brought Christ's blessing with him for every, in everything he did. Even under house arrest, anyone who came to visit Paul was allowed to do so, and he met with the church leaders. He met with um, people that had come from other, other regions, um, and, and he was able to while he was in this house arrest in, in Rome is where he wrote Colossians, Ephesians, Philippians, and the letter to Philemon. Being a blessing not only to the local churches in those cities then, but being a blessing to us today because we now have that in the New Testament. So, you know, over the summers we've gone through Romans. How many have enjoyed going through a full book of the Bible? You, you like that? How many of you like hearing from different voices? Hearing from a variety of people, right? So this summer, Caleb, you kicked us off. We started, Caleb reminded us that God gave us a vicarious offer. He will take away our sin and cleanse us. We don't have to perform any certain way. Just accept and believe. And he brought us a really good question that was good then, it's good tonight, and it's good to remember in moments when you're taught not only a good, powerful question, he also brought us some vocabulary words. It's good. And then, then we went in, Jaron. Who, who remembers Jaron? Who was on the fall retreat? Jaron was out there, right? Jaron, pretty cool dude, friend of Brandon's, now friend of all of ours. He came in and filled in. He reminded us that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. The problem is a lot of us, we call on the name of the Lord, but we don't really treat him as Lord. We treat Jesus as an accessory to our life, that he's just kind of there when we need him, instead of being the Lord of our life and everything we do. And then further, Justin came in and explained the details of baptism and how important baptism is. That once we do make Jesus our Savior and Lord, that we want to follow his command of baptism to give an outward expression of our faith that we have. Baptism doesn't save us, but baptism is that sin. Um, 
last talked to us about what's the payoff for believing in Jesus. Anybody remember what the payoff is? What do we get? Heaven? It's part of it, but what's, what's the immediate payoff for believing in Jesus? Yeah, it's, a, it's an answer. But one of, the, one of the important things to realize is when we believe in Jesus, the payoff for it is we become slaves. All right? Which isn't necessarily a bad thing because we're already slaves. We're either going to be slaves to sin in the world or we're going to be slaves to God and to obedience of righteousness. And I would rather be a slave to be in right standing with God than to be a slave to sin. So as we wrap up here, obedient to God, being, um, uh, being a slave to Christ, we should be sharing the gospel. That's, that's the core. Once we receive the gospel, we should be replicating that and sharing the gospel. And good to remember, when we share the gospel, when it comes to that, we always want to be sharing everywhere we are. We always want to be flexible in how we share and what our plans may not look the same as what we think, but it still can be done well, and we always want to be a blessing. Never share the gospel to be condescending or to try to tell somebody they're going to hell or to, you know, that's true, but we shouldn't be trying to force it on them. We should be a blessing in how we share and how we're lifting people up.